Welcome to the Go Lead Everything podcast. Do you aspire to become the best leader you can be? Then come along with me and GLE. Faith, love, integrity, courage. Four key values of great leaders all around the world. I'm Phil Swanson, and I'm on a mission to bring you leaders from all walks of life and arm you with the tools and mindset to lead effectively in whatever you are called to do. Are you ready? Because it's time to go lead everything. What up, what up? Welcome to Go Lead Everything. On today's show, we have a true inspiration. This badass is an award-winning keynote speaker, business coach, executive coach, corporate trainer, podcast of the year recipient, international best-selling author, and we had the opportunity to participate in one of Tony Watley's 365 Driven Entrepreneurs Clubhouse panels one time and got to tag team some money mindset in response to a question. And when I heard this guy talk, I just knew that he had a ton of value to bring the GLE network. I've been thinking about doing this for a long time, and I'm thrilled to finally have Daniel Gomez on the show today, and he's here to inspire. Welcome to GLE. What's up, Phil Swanson, man? It's an honor to be here with your GLE community, brother. I'll tell you what, I'm pumped. I drank an extra monster just for you. That way I've run out of gas, man. I said, boom, baby, come on, let's bring it. There you go. (laughs) You got to pump up, man. You got to pump up. I tell you what, you got to show up to blow up. Most people show up on podcasts and they don't even bring (laughs) energy, man. You got to bring the energy. Well, I wasn't, you know, we were, uh, we were learning earlier from uh, our buddy, Tony, you know, his advice on getting energy on podcasts and speaking. He's good at that sort of stuff. But I knew with Daniel coming on, I wouldn't have an issue bringing the energy. (laughs) No, man. I tell you what, it's uh, people don't realize this, right? No matter what you're doing, you're always selling yourself. We're always selling ourselves and and it, it, surprises me when people say, well, I don't want to be salesy. I'm like, well, if you didn't get that job, maybe because you didn't sell yourself good enough, maybe that's a, that's a subconscious, right? That's that barrier that you have there. It's like people are buying Daniel. People are buying Phil every day. People are buying you. And right. Obviously you bought me because I'm on your podcast. If not, he wouldn't have invited me, but I say that in all humility, because when you really think about it, 24 seven, we're selling ourselves. Right. And what product are you putting right there in the primary real estate. What are you allowing, right? Just think about it this way. You live in Houston, you're going on I-10 corridor, I Interstate 10, there's thousands of billboards between San Antonio and Houston. Mm-hmm. What billboard are you putting forth every day for people to see? Yeah. I would even go, Daniel, as far as saying that, you know, you're either selling yourself or someone else is selling you. Because if you don't sell yourself, and put a tag on your worth, then someone else is going to put a tag on it for you. And you're going to start believing what all of the, what all they think. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's like the saying, I do that in my training. Cause I do a lot of sales trainings for corporations. It's the person with the most certainty wins. Hmm. Somebody always gets sold, right? The person with the most certainty with the most confidence is going to win a negotiation. Mm-hmm. And so many times we don't believe in ourselves the way we should. We undervalue ourselves. And it's part of our brand. Think about this. If your brand, think, think if we were going to think, think, think if we were going to, think if we were going to, um, 
We keep it real with with real Daniel Gilman. Yeah. <laughs> think real if we were Swanson. going to think if we were going to 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 Neiman Marcus or Nord, Nordstroms, well, yeah. we ask them. Well, guess what? I saw this over here at Walmart. They'd probably laugh at us and throw us out, right? Because yeah. that's the value of their brand. Mm-hmm. Well, I would ask your audience, as your listeners, to say, well, really, what is the value of your brand? Mm-hmm. What is the value of your brand? Great. That's what they're buying. Mm-hmm. That's what you're. That's what you're portraying. Yeah, hundred percent, Daniel. Hey, before we get too deep, I want give us give us the thousand foot view of the Daniel Gomez story. How did you get to be the keynote speaker you are today? Well, it wasn't a it wasn't by choice, <laughs> and I say that with all right. It, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer four years ago, man, and it just really I learned real quick. It didn't matter how much success I've had in in business on my own, how much money I had in the bank, Rolexes, Corvettes, Harleys, you name it, I've had it. I was put in a situation where my money couldn't save me and my title couldn't save me. To say my prominence could have saved me. But the thing is, I didn't realize how big headed I got. I was pretty arrogant to be honest with you because I, I, I did run a big organization. People did cater to me, the vendors, and it's just sometimes you don't see it. It's like gaining weight, right? One day you, you put on your pants, you're like, oh crap. What happened? <laughs> they don't fit. And that's the same thing that happened to me. And I think when I was put in that situation where my wife called me at home at work and I couldn't understand what she was saying. And all I heard was the words that said breast cancer as they came through. I was like, shit, like I had that deer headlight look for the first time in a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I just, man, I, I went home and she made a decision to have a double mastectomy. Then she got depressed on me. And then one day she just got really depressed on me and I had to make a decision. I, I told my boss, I'm not going to make it. And they were, I mean, my, they were cool, right? To say that they were buttheads about it. They were good. But I think what people don't understand is that women or anybody that goes through the journey of this, right? When you have a, the emotional parts harder than the physical part. Mm-hmm. I think if a male was to lose his testicle or yeah. something was to happen, it's like the physical part is going to be healed, but dealing with it. So my wife was dealing with that and she was changing blouses every three or four times a day. So I made a decision to resign, man. And from that resigning, I was home. And this is the beautiful part is I looked in the mirror one day and I didn't like who I was, Phil. And that's where the journey began. That's why I'm here in front of you today. Wow, and bro. God gave me an idea that I was crazy enough to believe. He says, I want you to be a motivational speaker. And I just told my wife and she said, you're crazy. Cause I would go speak to kids, right? I would go give out these awards with Chevrolet. Chevrolet would give out these awards and the owner didn't want to go of the dealership. So I was the face of the dealership. Yeah. I would do some of the commercials. And so it was okay. And I just, I, I don't know if you, if I had to do it again, I probably, I don't know if I'd do it again, man. To be when, honest when you me. say God <laughs> spoke to you, what do you mean by that? Cause I, I always am curious what people mean when, when they say God spoke to them. Well, I opened up a, I opened up my uh, tie rack, right? Cause I had my ties and I was going for an interview uh-huh. and I had found this old email there that was from like probably three or four years prior. Uh-huh. And as I opened up this email, I was just reading it and it was like, who is this car guy? <laughs> and I was like, oh crap, what did I do? Right. The counselor sent it to me. A mother sent it to the counselor. Who is this car guy? EJ is running through the house, yelling and screaming. He puts in the Chevrolet cap and he yells even louder. I'm like, man, she's mad. Then it says, tell him I said, thank you. EJ has never been so happy and so confident in his life. 
he tells himself he loves himself, he believes himself. Mm. So I showed up at this award ceremony, gave out this award. Principal goes, you have something to say, sir? I was like, nope, <laughs> I don't, I didn't. Went back and sat down, man. Next thing you know, I'm there and I just felt a prompting in my heart. You just talked about attitude. Talk about attitude. 10 minutes later, I told her, you know, I think I can say a couple of words. Really? I had 300 students yelling and screaming, I'm a winner, I'm a champion, I love myself. And when I, met, when I read that email that day, when I was getting ready to go for an interview, look for a job after my wife had her surgeries, I just read it and I just started crying, man. And wow, it's like when I read it, the words just were magnified and God says, that's what I want you to do. I want you to go motivate people and speak. That's awesome, brother. You ever, read something, on, the words, you ever read something and the words just come off the page? Yeah, I was going to mention, like, for me, before we go into this, y'all got to go follow Daniel Gomez, danielgomezglobal.com. Go check him out. If, if you haven't done it already, danielgomezglobal.com and go follow him on all the socials. He's on, he's on all the major socials, all that. He's got great content. I was, I've, I've looked through uh, some of his posts. I love his quotes and um, we'll talk about those here in a minute, but I, I was going to say related to that point in my life, Daniel, it feels like big decisions aren't always easy. God doesn't make them easy for me, but he almost always makes them obvious. Yeah. It's almost always pretty clear what the decision should be. I don't know. Is, is it different for you? I think as human beings, we gravitate towards the familiar. So if I had to drop a, 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 a word of wisdom to start off this amazing episode is I want to encourage the GLE, GLE community to get familiar with the unfamiliar. Write that down. Get familiar with the unfamiliar. And when you start getting familiar with the unfamiliar and you start giving yourself new experiences every week and try something new, maybe for you it's just going out into a new restaurant out of your comfort zone and maybe it's a higher scale restaurant. Or maybe it's going out and just really doing something you've never done. Maybe going out to a park, whatever it is. Just give yourself a new experience. Get mm -hmm. familiar with the unfamiliar. I think when you do that, it really helps you to, to make these decisions easier when they're really a big decision in life. Mm -hmm. And the next thing I would say is never make a decision at night. Always wait till the next day because by the time 5, 6 o'clock runs around, you're already brain fried. You're already tired. You already used up all your good you're right. You used up all your good decisions. If you think about, you know, Steve Jobs always wore black because it was easy, less decisions to use throughout the, throughout the morning. Just wait till the following morning. When you're making a big decision, just wait till the following day and give yourself that clear head because you can make better decisions when you're well rested. Mm -hmm. And that's what, that would be my, my advice to your audience. But really, I think what, what we need to do is get familiar with the unfamiliar. It makes those big decisions easier. That's great advice. You know, I've always been a night owl, Daniel. And um, I can remember, I'm, I'm remembering back, there's probably a number of times I could have used that advice. In my past. <laughs> Just thinking about it. I won't go into details. Yeah, but think, but think about it, right? We're so eager because whatever the scenario may be. And, 100%, man. It's just like, man, go to bed and take a Tylenol PM and think about it in the morning. You'll feel better. Mm -hmm. You'll be rested and at least... You know, at least you didn't make a rash decision that you're going to really regret, you know, because I've made I can tell you in my in, in my youth, in my young leadership days, I made something that I'll be like, why did I do that? <laughs> right. Somebody bucks up to you or you're like, you know what? Get the heck out of the leadership. Right. Right. I'm reminded stuff. of the scripture. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Yeah. And uh, 
Yeah, I think I think that your philosophy might be related to that just from a philosophical perspective. I want to go back to identity because you were talking about your wife and and your experience with you know what she went through with her mastectomy and you know you, you compared it to a guy losing his balls, right? Like and I say that because my I say that because my brother went through that. I remember when my brother he had he had cancer, testicle cancer. Sure. I mean it it happens to to to, to, to men. Right. And it's a reality that I lived through with my brother and yeah, it's, it's, it, 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 it brings down your confidence. Mm -hmm. I can, I can kind of relate just from being my, my example in my life as an athlete, you know, I was always a big, you know, I'm like six, three to 40. I was always one of the strongest guys, weight room guy lifting heavy weight. And then I had a back injury and now I can't, I, I, I literally physically can't lift you know, I see like Tony all the time, deadlifting 500 pounds. <laughs> like I would love to get back, lift heavy weight like that. I just physically like am, am unable, um, and would hurt myself. And, and it, it's like an identity thing, right? It kind of bothers you. Talk, talk for our audience about identity. Where, where do you think identity comes from? Well, I think it goes back to like, the, it's what we're familiar with. That's how we've, so, so this is what happens in reference to identity. We get a new idea but our old identity doesn't receive it. If you do receive it, well, then that's the first stage, right? You receive your new identity. Daniel, you're going to be a motivational speaker. Okay, I'm crazy enough to believe it. Well, then from receiving it, you start to embrace it. You start moving towards actually taking some action steps towards that. So as you embrace it, you go to a John Maxwell conference to go get JMT certified, you embrace it. And I think that's where many entrepreneurs mess up because at that moment, right, you go from the old identity, you're transforming into the new identity. Mm -hmm. Think of a caterpillar. Caterpillar is crawling, dirty little guy in the dirt on the bottom. He's doing it, right? That's the old They're Daniel. all business. dirty, Daniel. Well, I know, but I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to be a good storyteller here. You are, man. <laughs> I'm eating it up, but, man. You got me. But, I could but, just but, let but, you talk the whole time, so I have to kind but, of jump in. But, but then you get the cocoon, right? You get in the cocoon. And, and that's where the, the caterpillar, it has to become, it has to be in the cocoon before it can fly. So the caterpillar is the idea you receive it. Then the cocoon is you embraced it, right? And then the embracing, that's where most people rubber back bad. They go backwards to the caterpillar because it's dark. Mm -hmm. It's cold. You're by yourself. Mm -hmm. Me, I was, a, I was a car dog in the car world. And I didn't want to gravitate towards that. So as I was in the cocoon, dude, I remember crying. I did a quote like three years ago. I said, man, you're, you're not a real entrepreneur till you're in the bathroom crying by yourself. And you're 99.9% .9 sure you're going to quit, Phil, but you don't. Mm -hmm. And that was a pivotal moment because I was having success. I was making money as an entrepreneur, but I was still in the cocoon because I missed my old life. I missed what I was familiar with. I missed mm -hmm. it. Right. And, and I think that that's where most entrepreneurs businesses fail because they never make that breakthrough. Right. So they never taste that first victory They never taste that first big win mm -hmm. because it's an identity issue because they're not, they're not embodying. Right. So the last stage is you embody becoming that butterfly. Wow. I embodied being a motivational speaker. And it's like, you ask somebody, well, what do you do? Think about it. Next time you go to a networking event, you have somebody new kind of, they don't know what to say because they haven't embodied it yet. It's like, man, right. to me, like, and, and, and I'm going to be, I'm going to take a step of faith here. I, I'm, I'm going to come across confident because this is what God put in my heart. Like I said, you know what? 
I heard something the other day during Christmas said, why not? Why not? Daniel Gomez inspires the number one motivational speaker in the world. Why not? I love but that, I'm crazy man. enough to believe it. I'm embodying it. So that sign behind me, that's a sticker shock. I have another poster that I'm going to make. I'm going to send it to my graphic guy, my sign guy. And it's going to say number one motivational speaker in the world. Daniel Gomez inspires. I'm going to make it. I'm going to declare it because what we focus on expands. So mm-hmm. I'm going to embody that identity. Yeah. Because there's people out there that Tony Robbins can't reach. There's people out there that Eric E.T. can't reach. But Daniel Gomez can because I'm a Hispanic. I'm a Mexican. And there's a lot of Latinos, Hispanics mm-hmm. out there that need to hear that voice of hope that maybe if I can inspire them a little bit more, that'll be a tipping point for their life for the better. So much. I love the analogy with being alone in a dark, cold cocoon. Because I, I feel like leaders you know, for, for the folks that are, you know, really leadership focused, listening to GLE, I feel like this, this entrepreneur parallel and, and so many great, you know, entrepreneurs are, are great leaders, but that, that concept of being alone in a room is a metaphor that I've thought a lot about. Cause I, I really feel strongly that, you know, not only leaders have followers, but when leaders start, they don't have followers. They're just taking action as an example. And then once people see that and see that, that, that they're going to stand and do it alone in that dark cocoon, whether they have followers or not, then the followers start believing and start to follow, right? Like yeah. it always, it always starts alone in that dark cocoon. And, and you're right. It's, it's tough mentally to go through that. Well, let me ask you this. What, what do you, what happens when you let the butterfly out too soon? What happens if we cut the cocoon and let the butterfly out? I, I think it might not look as pretty. It dies, right? It, <laughs> what, what gives the butterfly the strength is it breaks out of the cocoon, the, the, the wings. But so many young leaders, right? They want to come out. They want to be that bigger leader and they're not ready for it because they haven't broken through the cocoon. They haven't had the strength. They don't have the character. They don't have the strength and they don't have the, the integrity, right? They don't have the integrity. And what I mean by integrity, not moral integrity, but the integrity of a foundation, the integrity of if, if I get tempted, the integrity of am I going right. to be ethical, the integrity, am I going to put my bias aside? I think so many times we have unconscious bias and we don't even realize it, but we're so eager to get out of that cocoon right. and we're not ready. And that's why you see so many people, right? A good example of that is somebody who wins a lottery. They have unearned wealth and they don't have the character. They don't have the integrity. Within two years, they're in worse condition than before they won the lottery. Why? Because they don't have the integrity to handle millions. It's like the uh, like what Jim Rome said, right? If you get a million dollars, you best become a millionaire. Because if not, you're going to lose it. And that's why people that inherit hundreds of thousands or millions, they lose mm-hmm. it because they don't have the integrity. They don't have right. They don't have the leadership qualities sure. and finances to handle that level of success. Right. Daniel Gomez inspires. You're inspiring me, brother. Yeah, I love man. it, man. I love it. It's the monster. Is that, it. Is I, it I think I resemble <laughs> as a young leader. I think I've resembled that, that remark before as, as you know, and I think maybe high achievers tend to, you know, they, they want to move quick. They want to accomplish things. And, and, you know, maybe that's a, a trend you probably see a lot in executive coaching, p- perhaps. I don't know. There's Do you see always, that often in your executive coaching? Yeah, because there's a lot nowadays, there's a lot of insecure leaders. There's a lot of insecurities. I, th- I think one thing that, that, that I always encourage people to do is, is I ask them, have you fulfilled your full level yet? They're like, well, what do you mean? 
the level you're on, have you tapped it out? Are you at capacity? Have you done everything possibly to make this level of your leadership role great? Have you helped everybody you can? Mm -hmm. And when I really put them in the corner and ask them that, right? They say, no. I was like, well, then why are you going to go to the next level? What if Daniel needs you in the corner and you're too busy to be selfish to go to the next level? Daniel needs your help. What if Phil needs your help? Mm -hmm. And so many times we're so eager, eager to go to the next level in leadership, in business, and in, in life. And we're still at, just imagine we're playing Donkey Kong and we're still at level three and you want to go to, you can't go from level three to level 10. You got to learn, you got to grow. You got to have the experience. And so many times we want to be at the king of the mountain and it just doesn't work that way. Did man. you play Donkey Kong, Daniel? I played Donkey Kong Jr. <laughs> man, that Donkey Kong reference threw me off, brother. Yeah. I love Donkey Kong. I used to have my big gray Game Boy with the yeah. <laughs> you know, little purple buttons and I would play that thing all day. Donkey Kong. I was a Donkey Kong Land 2 guy. Yeah, Donkey Kong no. Land 2, man. Played but, that it, but, it, but it's just that I, I would tell your audiences, like, ask yourself this question. Write this question down. Have you done everything possible at the level of life, of leadership, of business that you're at. Because if you haven't, then there's that, that sometimes we don't write, we don't reflect and there's ingratitude in there. And if you're not grateful for what you have, gratitude is a key for promotion. Gratitude is a key for more. Mm -hmm. So if you're overlooking, you're overlooking, you're not being grateful for what you have. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love that, Daniel. Y'all, if y'all haven't done it already, go check out DanielGomezGlobal.com. He's also got a book, You Were Born to Fly. He's a best-selling author. You got to check out his book, You Were Born to Fly. What was it like? Yeah, right here. Go, look. go to Amazon and get it. <laughs> I'll give yeah. myself a little plug. Go to Amazon and get the check it out, man. paperback and Kindle. But So what was it like in, in your journey becoming that keynote speaker and then you know ultimately writing the book and all that? Give us kind of the you know, what kind of steps does it take to become a keynote speaker? I think for me, when I started off, I had it wrong. I'll be honest with you, right? I, I wanted to just to speak, to speak to, it wasn't about the audience when I first started. And I think when I really, really learned from one of my mentors that said, Daniel, you're, you're good. You have a natural talent. You're raw, but your next level is really seeing the audience as a star of the show. And I think when he told me that, I really took it to heart. And something that we teach at our Sticker Shock Speaking Academy is really audience engagement. And for myself, I take myself off the, I'm not one of those speakers that stays on stage. I, I kind of bounce off the stage and I kind of get in people's faces and, and, and right, we, we do some fun stuff with them nice. in our corporate trainings or yeah, yeah. the association conference, but people yeah. respond to it. Change their state a little bit. Yeah, change their state and, and have fun. And like one thing that I do is I will, I'll say like, Hey, who here um, is wondering what I'm going to say, right? Raise your hand. And they're like me. Right. And I'm like, well, guess what? Me too. I didn't know what I was going to say today. And you know, they started <laughs> laughing and I, we just be like, I just got to be human. Sometimes people just need to see that you're human. Yeah. And then I do another thing with Starbucks, right? Like, right. Who here wanted to go to Starbucks, but they said if they were late, they were going to let you into the conference. They're like me. I'm like, well, great. Here's Starbucks. Right. So I'll give them a $5 gift card of Starbucks. Then I'll go to Phil. I'll say, Phil, now don't go tell Ruby now that your gift card's 20 bucks. She only got a $5 one and everybody will start <laughs> cracking up. So it's just, it's really just having fun with the audience is what makes a keynote speaker. I think so many people take it seriously. They, they want to be proper. And I think you can be too proper. 
to be honest with you. And um, I think when I learned to have fun, I'll never forget there was a conference where we were just having fun being silly. And man, we, we sold like 150 books. I think we made over almost over a thousand dollars in book sales and I wasn't even prepared for it. And I was like, man, it was a good little, it was a good bonus apart from the honorarium. So I just learned at that moment, just, it's not about Daniel Gomez to start. Right. That makes a great keynote speaker. Wow. I think that's one thing that I want your honors to take away is that. I, I love that, Daniel. I absolutely love that. I needed to hear that. You know, I, I'm sure some of our audience did too. I think my, my level of seriousness has actually been a, a hindrance maybe for me. Um, and I, it's something I consciously work on now is, is, and it seems it's probably <laughs> stupid to people, but like, I do have fun. And when I got married, my wife told me, she's like, I would never have guessed you were like this, uh, until, you know, I, I got, uh, closer to you, you know, as we were dating and, and engaged and ultimately married. But, um, you know, I, I kind of had a persona like my, my corporate persona, and, um, it's, it's been tough for me to kind of get comfortable in my shoes enough to kind of tear down that, I, I don't know why or how, or, or what created that wall or, or a need for it in my mind. But for some reason, I kind of always have kind of had my, my guard up around certain people. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't really let the walls down around so many people to kind of let loose and have fun like that. But I, 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 I see the need to, and I see how it's kind of hindering my development and, and being able to impact people. So it's something I've been focused on. Do you have any tips other than just, you know, stop worrying what other people think? Yeah, man. Just, I, I think, I think it's part of just manhood, yeah. just part of the man. Right. I think, um, you know, when I was younger, I was a, <laughs> I was a Harley guy. Right. And I relate to what you said, man, I would, I would go somewhere and I'd be like, I wouldn't let nobody check me, bro. Yeah, like, you want to look cool, right? I didn't care. I didn't care if you were six foot two, 240 pounds. I'd be like, what you look? You got a problem? I, I mean, I'd be like, you know what? It's uh, just like, I, I, I would, I had no fear in me. I just really didn't. Yeah. And like, I did like people like, what do you mean? Like, yeah, like, what do you like? Don't I, right. I just, it just, it's a ship that I had on my shoulder and mm. it wasn't good. Right. Right. But right. I learned that, um, cause I had anger towards my dad. Yeah. After I forgive him, it went away. But I think I, I, I just, that was kind of me, right? I would be like, so. I think, I think you're, it, you're it's, hitting it's, on it's something. A, that deep it's anger. a, it's a, like your chest pops out, right? You're like, right. <laughs> you're right. Somebody walks in and well, guess what? Like, let me, I'm not going to punk out and I'm not going to shrink right. back. And I think that, that was my demeanor. So when I came into business, right, I had to learn not to do that because I'd be like, because I would want to do that in, in networking events or just events. And I think it's just mm -hmm. really just forgiving my dad. And then after you do that, you just really got to let the kid out and you just have fun. I think when you let the kid out in you and you just have fun, mm -hmm. there's no need to compete with other people. And, and it's not easy, right? Cause you want everybody, you want everybody to love you and you want to love everybody. But the reality is that mm -hmm. in business people that support you, right? I think if I look back at all the people that have supported me since I started, We'll just say there was a hundred, maybe, maybe 10 have come with me the whole journey. Mm. Cause then people start seeing the success that you've had. And then they start seeing you buy a new home and oh, well, now he thinks he's good. And oh, then he see him buy a, a new car for his wife and then a Porsche and then doing more successes and the people that you thought were going to support you through the journey. It, it hurts. Right. So I can see how people can get bitter and resentment. And I had to really work at letting some of those people that have, I don't want to say backstabbed me, but I guess just right. talk shit, right? Talk smack. And it's just like, what's it's, I've learned it's their issue, not my issue. Right. 
And like when, when my wife, when we bought this house that we're in right now, you know, it's our dream house. And the first thing my wife said is, well, don't post any pictures. I'm like, why? It's a, it's a gift from God. Like God blesses with this house. Right. Yeah. Like celebrate it. Uh-huh. And I said, we're going to post it, but we're not going to post it from an egotistic point. It's like, I'm grateful. Right. I mean, come yeah. on. I'm a, I'm a kid from the South side. I've been wanting, I probably people, my, the odds were against me to come out of there and then to right. have a horseshoe driveway and to have my jacuzzi in the back. Like, mm-hmm. why wouldn't I celebrate that? So it's just really, um, learning to, to celebrate myself and not really care, not in a bad way, but not really care what people are going to say, because people that ain't doing anything, they're always mm-hmm. going to have an opinion. Mm-hmm. And I think I've really learned that here in 2021 because we had tremendous success and um, it's God's blessings, man. When you, when I'm not going to apologize for me serving God and my mm-hmm. success, my wealth is a consequence of serving God. I love uh, Grant Cardone, I think is the one who I heard say this, but he, he said, I've never had anyone more successful than me criticize me. And I thought that was just kind of such interesting perspective or even like, you know, the president of the United States, right. Whether or not we have fair elections is, is up for debate, but you know, half the country doesn't like him. Right. And the other half does, right. No matter which president it is. So, you know, if half the people are going to hate you anyway, no matter how good you are, you know, what are you worried yeah. about? Right. So, so I would say that I would say just really, let the kid in you come out. Just have fun, right? I think when we were kids, we played football in the front. It didn't matter who you were. We just said, come on, let's play touch football. And we could play football until it got dark. And you yeah. were at home all sweaty and stinky and didn't matter. I think you got to let that side of you out and just yeah. enjoy life. Because it's. I think I think we, we I think in, in, in men, and I think in all people, we, we, we get a, some reason we have this crazy idea that this is a practice life. And I think for me, the light came on four years ago when my wife, I was like, shit, I'm going to lose my wife. Like I cried, man. Like I haven't cried more in my whole life than I did these past four years. But when I, when I, that, I said, like, there's no practice life. Like this is your life. Yeah. You don't get time. a redo. You don't get a rerun. You don't get like, this is it. Like people think we, you, you, oh, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll fix my problem. Like, no, like this is like, when you're gone, you're gone. Mm-hmm. Like it, there's no practicing. This is your life. Mm-hmm. And I think when I approach that, I really, I really take business differently. I take my relationships with my kids differently with my wife mm-hmm. and just my life differently. Right. And I try to, sometimes you want to save for the future, but sometimes too, I believe you got to live for today because you never know what's going to happen with what happened with my wife. And I think I've, I found that balance. I used to always live for the future. Mm-hmm. And one day my wife goes, I've never asked you for nothing. My daughter wanted to go study abroad in Europe, in Paris. And I said, okay. She said, we need to send Ali to Europe. Mm-hmm. And it was like $25,000. And I was like, you're crazy. She goes, I never asked you for nothing. <laughs> I said, okay. She goes, you know how you always say we're planning for the future? I said, yeah. She goes, well, this is a future we've been planning for 10 years ago. How could I argue with that? Let me say it again. I had been saving my whole life, right? But this time we're together like 18 years, 17 years. She goes, Daniel, today is a future we've been saving for for 10 years. And I said, you're right. So I think for, for me now, it's finding that balance of when to spend, when to save. And of course, you want to save at least 10% of whatever you earn, right? Just not, and I don't believe in saving for a rainy day. I think that's the stupidest thing you could do. Because if you save for a rainy day, what are you going to attract to yourself? A rainy day, right? Ding, ding. So I, I save up for, <laughs> I save up, right? I call it my freedom account. It's my freedom 
my freedom of choice to kind of have freedom of their choice to do whatever I want to do in the future. So it's just, yeah, there you go. It just works that way. And what do you have? Like you have it. more freedom. You have more fun. Yeah. Let's talk money mindset. Cause I, when you talk about saving, I've, I've actually like, I don't think of it as saving now. It's like, you know, I know I am saving money, but I'm, I consider it an investment somehow, or like I, I'm putting that money away to multiply it at some point or, you know, do something with it. That's going to create value to other people or myself, right. Whether it's my, my giving or whatnot, but I, I I've kind of changed my, like everyone talks about saving, but I hundred percent agree. Like, you, you know, you, there's, there's this delicate balance, I think, between living outside your means and enjoying the fruits of your labor and what God's given you and blessing other people. And, um, it's kind of a fine line, right? Yeah. Well, I think my, my new book coming out, um, it's, re- it's, it's scheduled to be released in the first quarter, uh, right. It's the makings of a millionaire mind. Oh. And we talk about that. Right. And I think, I think people are just poor minded. We learn our relationship with money is because it's learned from our childhood through the words that we hear our parents say, if there's arguments at home, mm-hmm. then right. More than likely we're going to argue about money with our spouse. Mm-hmm. And then the, what was behavior, right? What, what, what behaviors were, were presented to you as a child? What did you learn? And I remember for me, we'd go to this store called Chopper's World, And I would be like, think about this. How many of us get to go to Foot Locker and say, Phil, I, I, I mean, right. I would say, oh, dad, I want these shoes. My son, my dad would say, no, son, get these. These shoes are $100 more. Why not get the most expensive shoes? My parents never said that. What did they always say? Get the ones that are on sale. On sale. Yeah. So we learn this and we're trained this way. Mm-hmm. And then when we come into life for ourselves, we're taught this behavior about money. Mm-hmm. And then we're taught to exchange dollars for hours. And then we're stuck at this lie that we believe that $10 an hour is a lot 20 years ago, then 20 and then 30. And if you think about it, even $50 an hour isn't a lot. Like we were talking about off camera. I got my first check for $300. I was like, wow, for an hour of coaching for two sessions. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> I, I, I felt funny. I felt like it was yeah. out of my comfort zone, but now it's like, man, it's like, it's the normal now. But so I think, I think more I would say 90 over 90% of people are poor minded just because of the way our country is set up. It doesn't matter if I go speak in, 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 in California and Florida, Texas, mm-hmm. I spoke in um, Chicago and I always mm-hmm. say this, right. And we can have some fun with this on with, for your team, right. For your, yeah. for your audience. Right. So I'm going to start, I'm going to start it. I don't know you, right. I've, we've never had a formal conversation. So just for the record, right. For point of reference. Yeah. So I'm going to start it. I want you to finish it. Money doesn't grow on trees that's just the way it is the early bird gets the worm so how do you know the endings to all these things if i've never talked to you because it's been programmed in me in all of us yeah it's at our core beliefs so we're poor minded by nature money is the root of all evil yes except it's not it's love of money yeah, that's the root, right? But the don't thing love is, anything more than me. Yeah, you love your life more than me, or your money more than me. But yeah, I, I, we're we're programmed, Daniel. I know, like from from my growing up, I, I had no clue. 
about buying a house and I, you know, I'm not meaning this negatively toward my parents in any way. I've had wonderful godly parents that raised me in as a faithful Christian and I'm, I'm thankful to them. And I've lived a fairly comfortable middle-class white American life. Like, like, uh, many do, but it, it's, you know, call it white privilege or whatever you're going to call it. But, you know, I've been very comfortable, you know, not rich, but not, not, uh, in, in need by any means, but like, I had no clue about money, brother. Like I, until I was late twenties, I literally, I, I remember saying this all the time. Like, why does anyone even pay attention to taxes? Everyone has to pay them. So just pay them and stop caring. Like, why do we even care about it? Like I used to think that way. Yeah. And it's like, I, I, I think back at myself, like what it's, it's, uh, it's just such an ignorant state of mind. And it actually, what it is, is it's, it's what I find is most people who say they don't care about money actually (laughs) spend most of their time trying to make money. Yeah. Well, when people right? say money's not important, they're, that's, that's their defense for, to, because they're broke. I mean, let's just be honest, right? If, if somebody yeah. is going to say money is important, the likelihood right. of them being. Yeah. How do you know you've never had money? <laughs> right. And and the thing is, this is that they, they've never had enough money to know whether money would be important or not important. And then the other thing that people say was money doesn't make you happy. Well, How do if you you're going to be unhappy, I'd rather have money. Sure. <laughs> right. But, but, but yeah. I say this in all honesty, because w- once my relationship changed with money, when I really showed me that money allows me freedom, first of all, it gives you freedom. Mm-hmm. It gives you choice. Mm-hmm. If my wife would have had breast cancer and I would have been broke, I wouldn't know what the hell I was going to do, to be honest with you. But the fact that we had built up some wealth and it was there, it's like, I'm grateful for that because that gave me the confidence to step out in faith during the time that she was having eight major surgeries through breast cancer, three, third, I'm right. Stage level three. So money gave me peace of mind. Money gave me confidence. Money gives you the opportunity to contribute. I think, I think the biggest thing is whenever I'm feeling down, right. We always give in my house, we always give 10% to charity, to God, to church. That's my belief. And that's why, I truly believe I'm blessed. Even when 2020 came, mm-hmm. it's like what you don't respect, you don't attract. Mm-hmm. And if you don't respect money, you're gonna you're not gonna attract it. You don't def- you deflect it. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage your your audience to say right. Really ask yourself this question: What is my relationship with money? Yeah. Because you know why most most businesses don't make it. Most small entrepreneurs because they don't. They don't respect it. They, they, if you see money as an evil, bad thing, and oh, I don't need money, money's not important. Well, how in the hell do you expect your business to survive and to grow? Yeah. Think about it. Sure. And if, 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 if we were it, to say, right, if we say money's not important, what, hap- what would happen to say right now if you wouldn't told your wife, you know what, honey, you're not important? Yeah, she'd go away. Bingo. Bingo. You nailed it, Daniel. Yeah, powerful powerful money mindset. If, if you think about why you want the money, you can really, I I always encourage people, you got to understand why you want the money. Is it to glorify Phil or Daniel, or is it to give your family that God has put in your stead, in your charge, 
Is it to give them the best life possible while helping as many people as possible? And, you know, it, it's why do you want the money? Right. And, and, you know, I think that's where people can get confused and you, you've absolutely hit the nail on the head that this country is, and, and just the way we're designed and educated people's money mindset is broken. Absolutely broken. Yeah. Well, they don't, first of all, they don't teach it in school for whatever reason. And then when you, when, when you come out of like my son, um, like I told you off our before we started, he's a senior in Texas state university here and up, sure. the, up the road. And they, they go to these schools and right away they give you a credit card and like, they don't know, right. They, maybe they've never been educated in that. And most of the kids that go there, maybe they haven't, we'll just say half of them have it. So they get this credit card for 500, a thousand, right. They charge up. They don't have a job. Guess what? They don't pay it. So right off the bat, their credit score goes down. And then next thing you know, they, they, they abuse it and they mm-hmm. start forming these bad habits. So they don't even have a respect. They don't have an understanding of it. Like, Hey, we, this is, you got a credit card. Don't max it out. Cause it's going to bring down your credit score. Don't charge on it more than what you can't pay. Mm-hmm. And like I had to talk with my son, he does pretty good, but um, his score, you know, he, he has a real good score, but I said, it could be higher if you understand that don't be buying stuff just to buy stuff. Cause if you're, if you rack up your limit, it's like, it's going to bring down your score. Mm-hmm. I said, so if you have the money, if you just imagine if, if you were to save at least 10% of your money aside from what you get, right? So the first, so this is what I live with as far as money mindset goes is the first 10% goes to charity, whatever charity you are. Maybe you don't go to church, but help somebody out, right? Homeless and needy, find a charity mm-hmm. that you support. The first 10% goes to that second 10% pay yourself. Most people don't pay themselves. You got to pay yourself. Like people, they pay everybody else, but them pay yourself 10% and don't touch it. Mm-hmm. Even if you have to put it in a different bank account that you don't see or have, if, if you're not, uh, if you're uh, an employee, Hey, my wife's an employee, nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Put 10% in an account that you don't get. Mm-hmm. And, and you're going to see that little by little, like, wow, how did I do all this? Like my wife, she just, God bless her with the new job. And she goes, hun, I said, well, how much did you have in your account? She had like 30 something thousand dollars. She wasn't even aware of, right? She knew it was growing. I'm like, man, that's good. Mm-hmm. But when you do that, 10% doesn't seem like a lot, right? Maybe 30, 40 bucks a paycheck, well, just as an example. But after months and years, it, it, it adds up and you have something at least that makes you feel good about yourself. Yeah, 100%. And then, and then I would say that in the next 10%, right? Just save it for your freedom account, right? That's just mm-hmm. freedom account to where at the end of every month, you know, you have this hundred bucks and you, but spend it. Don't just keep it there. Spend it because I think so many times the mistake I made is it's safe for tomorrow and, or safe for the future, but you don't ever really get to celebrate yourself today. Yeah. And you got to have some of those, you got to celebrate your wins. And I think so many times in life, we don't celebrate our wins. And I think that's one thing that after this happened to my wife, I'm like, man, life's too short. Like, celebrate it and like just something as simple as buying yourself she bought herself this little ipad case mm-hmm. the other day mm-hmm. and it's like cool right 12 yeah. bucks 15 bucks but it's just like not crazy spending money like there's a difference right like what you said not to oh, not to spend money just to spend money but right to celebrate yourself in a reasonable amount and i think that when you do that and you live off of right 60 percent of your income mm-hmm. that you're that's a good place to start with money and you attract yeah. more of it one of the great like purchase mindsets I got, you mentioned like buying shoes. So going back to that metaphor, 
I used to be, you know, buying the cheap pairs of shoes too. And then I, I somebody told me, Hey, you know, you're going to be on your feet more than just about anything else you do. If you're going to invest in any piece of clothing, invest in your shoes. And so like for a splurge purchase, right. You go get a, you know, maybe a nicer pair of shoes than you, than you would have or, or whatever. But it kind of got me thinking instead of, Oh, how much does this cost? It got me thinking about the value of the thing I'm buying and what it means to me or how it brings value to my life. And so when I'm, when I'm splurging now, right. I, it's funny now, like I splurged the other day and bought like a high def webcam for my podcast. Right. And I was like happy about it, <laughs> you know, I was going to say like, you look better it, today it, for some reason. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, cool. It's a business expense too. So it's smart, but like, it's just one of those things. Once your perspective changes and you're not worried about how much everything costs, but worried about the value, worried about, you know, how it benefits your life, how, you know, you're celebrating a win that, you know, met a goal in your life or, or you saved up and, and met and met some financial goal. I, I love this money mindset. It's, it's awesome, Daniel. Yeah. Well, my new course is actually going to be um, the new course that's going to come out. It's going to have to deal with um, the book, the course we're going to have life events around. It's going to be about the millionaire mindset. And it, it breaks my heart because it really, it, it's, it's, it breaks my heart when people have so much potential, but they never go down into those deep reservoirs because they believe the lies that they've been taught mm -hmm. their whole life. And when you really take off that story, you erase that story, you take off those, right? We'll just say here, look, I, I, I do this corporate training where when you take off those poor man's perspective, right? You take off that poor man's perspective. But the thing is you try to help people and dude, they fight you. They don't want to take it off. And when you take off that poor minded perspective, right? Yeah. You take it off, dude. Like, why didn't I see this before? Yeah. And, and when you realize that money is not a bad thing, mm -hmm. that wealthy people ain't greedy. Mm -hmm. that money is a great thing and that that wealthy people are generous mm -hmm. i mean it's it's like right we don't we can't help everybody in the world but i'll tell you that that, that our goal is to help people and and wherever we can i just the other day and i got a good example i bought my, my wife bought myself a new coat mm -hmm. and we were going to the gym this morning it was freezing here in san antonio mm -hmm. and i said hey you know what um go get these jackets she goes what for i said i don't know i put it in my heart Somebody's might need it. It's freezing outside, right? I don't need all these jackets. I'm never going to wear it. But how much clutter do we have in our closet that it could be a blessing for somebody else? Yeah. And, and they're nice jackets. It's just that my wife, right? My style in business has changed. So stuff that I wouldn't wear, right? right? I wouldn't, I'm not going to wear it. And if it's in your closet for a year with the dust on the, on the collar, more than likely you're not going to wear it. So, hey. but it's just, it, it, it helps to be a blessing to the people around you, man. And I think money's a great thing. And, it gives you the freedom, the confidence to be and do what God created us to be. I love it. I want to hit one quote because you just reminded me of it. I pulled it off your Instagram. Stop loving the trash in your life more than the truth. And I think we've been talking all around that point, but I absolutely love that quote. Yeah. Love it, brother. You also, uh, you made one other comment. One of the best things you can do in your life is stop watching trash TV. Yes. And so talk a little bit. Uh, we got a few minutes left here. Talk a little bit about pouring in and how important it is to pour good things 
to help build that good mindset. And, um, you know, what's, what's, what's your, you know, routine like for pouring in good content? Well, that quote came because of my son, he, he came home and this was, and, and actually it was a year ago, but I, I, we were just talking about it because it was the holidays again. And he came home last year. And he was just like, dad, I'm in a funk because he's in sales. He works for one of the top washed, um, car washes here in South Texas. Mm. And he's one of the top salesmen. He goes, yeah, I'm in a funk. And I was like, oh, okay, right. I just, I didn't say nothing because sometimes the coach wants to come out. So I just was dad. I said, well, it'll get better, son, right? I love you. And then um, like he's here for that week, like I told you. And I noticed like day one, he's binge watching Netflix. Day two, he's binge watching another show. I said, hey, man, I said, um, What's going on? It was nothing. I said, you must like Netflix, huh? You like that show? He goes, oh, it's a good show, dad. I said, hey, man, let me ask you something. He goes, what? I said, is it adding value to you? He goes, well, no, dad, it's just a show. It's an innocent show. It's like, I didn't say it wasn't an innocent show. I'm just asking you, is it adding value to you? He goes, well, I just like to watch it. I said, is it helping your sales, you think? And by that time, he was getting upset, right? I said, look, you made the comment that your sales ain't up. So why don't you maybe listen to a sales podcast? If you don't want to listen to me, listen to a sales podcast or go on YouTube and watch something that helps you with sales. So he got upset, went to his room and didn't say nothing. So kind of shrugged it off. And the next day was Christmas and it was, it was good. Right. So it was, we didn't talk about it. Sure. So he called me about a week later after he left. He goes, you know, dad, I was mad at you. I said, I know you were. He goes, but thank you. I found this podcast and I like it. And I've been listening to it every morning, driving to school, driving to work. And um, it's helped me. My sales are back up. I said, good. So that's a great example of trash TV, right? You, it seems innocent on the outside. It's like candy. It's chocolate chip cookies look innocent, but right. they're not good for us. Right. So we binge watch these shows that look innocent, but they add no value to us. And then subconsciously, they're affecting us without us even realizing it. And then next thing you know, our performance goes down. And so my question to your audience is, is what you're listening to, what you're reading, what you're watching, is it, is it adding value to you? Another good example of that is, right, a, a trash novel, right? If you're, if you're reading this novel that's not adding a book, right, there's good books and bad books the same way. So I think you really have to filter what you take in, right? Because what we take in is who, what we become, right? Trash in, trash out. I love that. So, if you're and the three things is this, right? What am mm-hmm. I listening to audible? What am I watching my visuals? Mm-hmm. And then what environments am I putting myself into? Mm-hmm. Right? So those are the three things that are going to, you, you, you want to know what your future is going to be like, Phil, your GLE community wants to know what's my future going to be like. I can tell you. Yeah. What are you doing it's today? Hit, it's hidden in your daily routine. hundred mm-hmm. percent brother. That's so good. So good. I was before the show, I was, uh, I was thinking about my preparation because I've had people ask me, man, you spend so much time preparing for those podcasts. And I, I really don't. And um, one of the things that, and I don't mean that in like a, a braggy way, I just, I, you know, I spend maybe 20, 30 minutes. And, and, um, but I, the reason I think, because I, I was going to make a joke that inspiration doesn't come from preparation. And, as I was thinking about it, what I realized is I think inspiration comes from meditation and meditation comes from reflection. 
and reflection comes from perspective and you only get perspective from your results and those could be good or bad, right? Your failures. Um, and you only get results from action and you only take action based on what you know, you know, knowledge is worthless unless you act on it. And you only get knowledge if you have good habits that are going to put that good knowledge inside you. And you only have good habits if you're making good decisions and good choices, not watching crap TV and listening to the right sales podcast instead. And you're not going to make good decisions unless you have a purpose. And so, you know, I, I, I encourage people until they get a clear purpose with what they want to accomplish. Maybe a guy like Daniel Gomez is going to inspire you to find your purpose and start doing some of those things that'll result in ultimately being inspired and um, having those good things pour out of you in your life. And, and so, you know, it just comes, comes natural, right. To you to speak well, right. Cause you've, you've, you've studied it and meditated and, and prepared to the point where that's that you've become it. And as, as, uh, as the audience is listening, I just encourage you, if you don't have a purpose, you know, think about what your purpose is here at GLE. We want to arm people with the courage and the truth. We want to give you the truth and the courage to stand for it. And I know Daniel's one of those that's out there standing for truth. And I absolutely love it, brother. I'm so thrilled that you can make it on the show. And before you go, well, I want to, can I add something to that? Yeah, do it. Go for it. Most people don't find a purpose. And this is a reason why, because they undervalue who they are. So if they undervalue themselves, if they think they bring no value, then what purpose do I have? So I think I want your community to know this is that a, you matter, right? Wow. You matter, you matter more than you realize. And the day you really start to value yourself and see that you bring more value that the mistakes, the screw ups, the failures you've had, that it's not who you are. It's not your identity mm -hmm. and it doesn't affect your value. Because your value is this, your value is that you're a child of God. Your value is that you're fearfully, wonderfully made. Mm -hmm. And your value is that you're forgiven. So get up mm -hmm. and realize that when you see yourself as valuable, then the world will start seeing yourself as valuable. And when you see yourself as valuable, that's when you give yourself the opportunity to find your purpose in life. And that's where, that's where fulfillment comes in. And that's when, man... If you would have so told good. me I'm doing what I'm doing, I'd be like, but I had to find myself valuable after all the screw ups I did as a father, as a leader, as a, as a husband, man. And, and it's just, now it's like, I need to help men and women find their value because people are more valuable than they realize, Phil. And that'll Amen, help brother. them find their purpose. I love it, brother. Wow. So good. Hey, before you go, I always ask our guests, not always, but most times I ask our guests this question. When I started this podcast, one of the things that really inspired me was the perspective of how cool it would be to see more than just a black and white photo of my great grandpa, right? How cool would it be if I had podcast after podcast after conversation with amazing entrepreneurs, successful executives, coaches, speakers, authors, you know, 
of my, you know, one of my relatives, my ancestors, and I could just watch hours and, and just soak up their mind and, and listen to, listen to what all they did and, and learn from them. I just thought it was such cool perspective. And so with that in mind and, and not knowing how many millions and billions of people down the road might end up seeing Daniel Gomez talking to old great grandpa, Phil, what would you leave our audience with today? So my last words for your podcast was this, is that in life, we have choices. And the thing is, this is that we all have the power to choose. When you stop tolerating the things that are hindering you, when you stop tolerating those little things that you're not happy with, when you stop tolerating the old you, is when you're going to start making the right choices. And maybe you're in a position where you want to do something. Your old life back there is not worth the new life up there. There's a future you in front of you, right? There's that 75-year-old version of Phil. There's that 75-year-old version of Daniel that's rooting us on. So just know that your labor is not in haste. You're going to be rewarded. And if you've never give up in life, you're guaranteed to win. And the beautiful thing about it is the odds are for you because you've made it this far. So just imagine if you made it this far, how much further you can make it when you truly choose to be successful in life. Wow. So good. So good, Daniel Gomez. Appreciate you coming on, brother. Y'all, if you're not following Daniel, Go follow him, rewind, re-listen to all his wisdom from this episode. Absolutely amazing stuff. Go to danielgomezglobal.com. Check out everything he's doing. He's got the book. He's got uh, You Were Born to Fly, new book coming out, The Makings of a Millionaire Mind. Going to have some courses related to that one too, so be on the lookout for that. When can we expect that one, Daniel? Man, it'll be out for sure in, uh, in, in March. I've been working on it, and it's kind of my next level book, so I've been putting some more work into it, so... I'm excited. I already started it. I'm pretty much halfway done. And um, I, I, my, my goal was by the end of February. So that's my goal. But it'll be, it'll be available for sure by March. Awesome. Be on the lookout for that, y'all. And y'all have a great rest of your week. Go lead everything. If you think someone would benefit from hearing this episode or any of this content, please share it and send them over to goleadeverything.com to learn more. It has been amazing to hear about all the individuals who listen to and are getting value from the content here at GLE. Thank you for your support. You are the reason we do what we do. See you next time. Go. Go.